The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $500 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by PixWise. PixWise is the number one home of free sports betting picks. Visit PixWise.com to make your next bet better. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at underdogfantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance at $1 million. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app. SGPN is giving you a chance to win $100,000. That's right, $100,000 NFL Week 1 exclusively on the SGPN app. And welcome to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Monday morning, 11.04 on the East Coast. Everyone's getting ready for the NFL season, but we're about 45 days-ish away from the NBA season tipping off. Joining me today to break it down another division and talk through some NBA news, the man who does it both on and off the court, for SGPN, Scott Reichel. Scott, it's been a while since we've gotten together, man. How you doing, bro? Yeah, doing pretty well. Looking forward to breaking down a division. Also kind of taking a stroll down memory lane for a separate topic we're going to have. But as yeah. a whole, happy to be back on the podcast. Happy to be talking about the NBA. And even though football season's coming up around the corner, don't forget basketball season's also coming up in about a month and a half. So if you want to get some bets down early, you can. And hopefully we can help you out with that. Yeah, it's been it's been crazy, man. It's almost like the I know because the schedule is different from last season. It's it's been a quicker turnaround. Summer league is over, and, and now we have, uh, like you mentioned, the NBA about a month and a half away. I'm st- we're starting to see some make or miss playoff uh, bets dropping on some sports books. We have regular season wins totals drop, so we're gonna be grinding. I know we're both doing NFL things and, and, and NBA is kind of like my baby also. So I know you'll be grinding away with NBA also. Um, but you know, before we get to, or let me go with the show, what the plan, the plan of the show tonight is um, we're going to break down another division, Dan, myself and Zach believe I, we did the Atlantic division, uh, but Scott and myself are going to break down the Southwest division. Some things happening around the NBA, but before we do that, I would be remiss not to mention that uh, it would have been Kobe Bryant's 43rd birthday today. And I'm often asked what that 824 stands for on my Twitter and uh, on my Twitter handle. And I know Ryan asked me if it was a birth date uh, when I was doing the NFC or sorry, the AFC South preview with them. And it's pretty much a tribute to Kobe, man. And as a Rockets fan, you hated Kobe Bryant, the player, because he would always, 
always torch the Rockets. And if we were lined up with the Rockets, or sorry, with the Lakers in a playoff series, I automatically knew if Kobe Bryant was playing, we were going to lose that series. But uh, not only the contribution he had on the game uh, on the court, I think Kobe, where I think I appreciated more was what he did off the court, right? With young players in the NBA, but I think more importantly, with women in the game of basketball and really doing whatever he could for his daughter. She had aspirations of, you know, being in the uh, WNBA and he, he would have her courtside at, at games with both the NBA and WNBA. And like I mentioned, guys like Devin Booker and so many guys around the league have talked about what an influence and, and a mentor Kobe Bryant was um, for, for the young players. Uh, Scott, Kobe Bryant, man, I mean, it's sad that he's not with us anymore, but his legacy on the game of basketball and I guess, I like I mentioned, off the court has been incredible. Well, I think one of the main takeaways I had today was the fact that even though he retired a couple of years ago before the tragic passing away, mm-hmm. people forget just how young he was in the grand scheme of things because yeah. he just turned 43. So just because of the fact that he was old in NBA years, doesn't really mean the fact that he was old in general because yeah. I saw 43. I thought he was at least like 46 or 47 at this point. Did you have the same reaction? Yeah, I did. And, and I think if it wasn't for the Achilles injury, I think it, I probably played a couple more years if he so wanted to. But, you know, when he retired, he said he wanted to spend more time with the family and, and with his daughters and things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, being 43 years young today, he would have been, I mean, you're right. I, I think I would have expected him to be up in that 46, 47, 48 range, but but I've been 43 years young and, uh, you know, Kobe, man, I mean, what else can you say? Yeah, pretty much. I, I feel like when it comes to sports or even just pop culture, you have a couple of guys who just had one name who you can just tell who immediately you're talking about. Yep. Kobe's one of those guys where if yep. you just hear that name, everyone's going to think of the same player or the same person. And I feel like that is definitely a piece of where Kobe, I would say, I don't want to say got lost a little bit when it came to him in his pro career, but I feel like people didn't realize how much of an influence he actually was until he retired. And I'm not even including all of the players in the league who talked to him while he was still playing, but a lot of guys clearly took influence from Kobe and that lives on today, even when Kobe unfortunately is not. Yeah, and it was, it was even like off. Like he has so many life skills. I think that there was one one memory in particular where he was at a Lakers game and they were playing uh, the Dallas Mavericks. And I, I'm sure you've seen this where Luca was uh, on an out of bounds play. He was he was uh, he was throwing the ball in f- on the play, and Lucas was saying that there was some guy uh, saying some cuss words or talking shit to him in 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 Slovenian. And and he didn't realize who it was until he turned around. Luca turned around. And he saw that it was Kobe Bryant. So I think those are the little things that the life skills and the so many languages that Kobe uh, Kobe spoke in, in his life was absolutely incredible. So uh, you know, just wanted to you know touch on Kobe a little bit. Where I've been his forty third birthday, uh, but you know we we missed Kobe being Bryant Mamba. I mean the the legacy that he left on his game has truly been incredible. Yep, not really much more to add than that. He's one of the most influential players that we've had and probably will be in arguably ever. Yeah, 100%. So one more note I wanted to get to was, uh, I think this came down last week, was uh, LeBron getting zero votes on being the best player in the NBA. 
Scott, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think LeBron is no longer the best player in the NBA? And after that news kind of came out, I think, you know, typical LeBron posts stuff on his social media, hashtag washed up, hashtag we'll see what happens next season. What are your thoughts on, on LeBron not getting any votes as the best player in the NBA today? So I'm a little bit confused because not because of the actual voting and how it broke down, but LeBron's claiming that he's allegedly washed because he doesn't get respected as the best player in the world anymore. Didn't he just say about five, six months ago that he's never going to be the same again because of an ankle injury? Can you make up your mind? <laughs> Typical am, am, LeBron, I, am, right? am I missing something? <laughs> Typical LeBron, right? <laughs> I, I feel like LeBron, which is kind of an issue that I have. It's not even just about him in comparison to Jordan or anything like that, but I don't think I've ever seen a player who's as talented at his respective sport that goes out of his way to make himself appear as an underdog more than LeBron. We get it. People think that Durant and Giannis are better than you. You have the second lowest odds to win a title. Like it's fine. You don't have to be the underdog. You're favored to come out of the Western conference. Like there are more important things than the media picking other players to be the best player in the world. But I get LeBron might be looking for motivation and everything, but the guy tries so hard to be an underdog in every single situation. Yeah. And it's really annoying because we've seen him do stuff over and over again than most other players, if not any other players in the NBA could do. Yeah. Can you just, you know, keep your opinions about being an underdog to yourself for maybe like a week before you open (laughs) it back up? Am I being harsh or do you agree with me? Because I, I, yeah, I agree with you 100%. He's always trying to take on that victim role, I guess you can say. But I don't know, man. I he, He's certainly top five in the league today for sure, right? And Nobody I, said he wasn't top yeah, five. Nobody, yeah, exactly. But I, I think that, yeah, I think Kevin Durant today, healthy Kevin Durant is, is better than LeBron. Am I too crazy to say something like that? I'm not sure about Giannis, but... Kevin Durant, for sure. I think so. Durant, I think is, I think if you were going for the overreaction from the rest of the media, I think people would vote Giannis over LeBron. I don't know if I would, but I do think that because of the title and everything like that, people would pick Giannis to be better than LeBron. I agree with Durant. I think Durant's the best player in the world. Uh, Just went healthy just because of the fact that I know the Nets lost the series to Milwaukee. But when you look once again at the supporting cast that he had or the lack thereof for the last couple of games mm-hmm. and the fact that Durant had two huge games where he put up basically 50 yep. and he hit that crazy shot where if his toes behind the line, that's one of the best shots in the history of the NBA. Yeah. And unfortunately, now it's kind of forgotten because the Nets scored two points in overtime and lost game seven. <laughs> but as a whole, I think Durant's better at this stage in their careers, which is fine because yeah. LeBron. 36 close to 37 mm-hmm. there's no nobody's roasting him it's not like people are trying to criticize him. they're basically just saying at this stage in your career at your age and the fact that you will never be the same again in quotes because of an ankle injury yeah why exactly am i supposed to feel sorry for you that people don't think you're the number one player in the world i heard being the second best player in the world is not that bad i know the olympics give you a medal for that for being the <laughs> second best player at your respective sport I, I can understand why he might be a little bit insulted, but at the end of the day, I mean, come on, man. You can't have it both ways. You can't claim that you're not the same player you used to be and then be offended when people don't give you the same praises that they did when you were younger and in better, I'd say, physical condition with before all the injuries. Yeah. I mean, come on. You, you got to pick a side at this point. You? 
Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about my 15 to one LeBron to win MVP ticket now. I'm not sure if those odds are going to improve or or they're going to drop because of how he's. No, you should you should love it. I think that's I, the yeah. exact quote you want to hear if you have have an MVP ticket because even if LeBron puts up his normal numbers where he goes for I don't even know like 26, eight and seven just yeah. to put it like you know normal LeBron season. You're kind of hoping that since LeBron brought to light the disrespect from the media, the media might overcorrect and give him way too much praise for some regular LeBron stuff. So I actually think that could help you in this case for LeBron MVP. Now am I saying you should bet LeBron MVP? I wouldn't. He might get it because of the fact that the media might want to give him one. But I do wonder how his stats are going to look when Westbrook's trying to do his normal stat padding stuff. So I am curious if that's going to hurt his production. But I think you should like the quotes because if you're talking about an award that's based solely on public perception, which is what the media, which is what the MVP award is for better or worse, yeah. it's a media publicity award. LeBron bringing it to light, I do think, could help him in the MVP race, especially at those odds. Yeah, I just think that what you just mentioned that it was his stats going to finish at 26, eight, and seven, or, or around that range, but. I also think that they would probably have to finish like the number one seed in the in the West, don't you think, for him to get that award? I would assume so. But at the end of the day, we know that in the past they've been trying to, I don't want to say gift wrap the MVP award to LeBron. Yeah. But LeBron was favored to win the award last year before he got injured. Yep. Did I think that he deserved the award at any point? No. I thought Jokic was the clear, Jokic or Embiid, I thought were the clear two MVP choices barring injury. And yet LeBron... I believe was around minus 200 at the yes. time before he got injured. Yes. And I had no idea why, just based on comparing the overall performances. But you know that he, he plays in LA, huge market. The media is going to be all over them. And LeBron's arguably the best player of all time. I still got him second best, but that's not the point. The point is yeah. that if you go around MVP or not, and most people in most years would say LeBron's the best player. And the question is, do you want to groove him in M- another MVP which is always a thought in the back of your mind, which is why taking him at double-digit odds, I think, has merit in itself. But if you are wondering if maybe his words might sway the media if he starts playing on the regular season, Mm. I think it might, because a lot of people remember a lot of things LeBron says, regardless of how, I'd say, mindless of a rant it is half the time. Yeah. It's... It's... When NBA season is around and football is over, you you see nothing but LeBron James plastered on the four letter network, and mm-hmm. and I think that really sometimes drives the narrative. Also, me last season, I had tickets both on LeBron and Embiid to win MVP, and we know how that turned out with you just with, with the injuries that we just mentioned, um, and rightfully so. I think you know Jokic definitely deserved to win the MVP. He was outstanding all of last season, so. Uh, I'm not too mad about that, but any final thoughts to wrap up the LeBron banter or what we're talking about? (laughs) Uh, For the most part, no. I I think that the one question that I do have for the Lakers moving forward is because of the fact that LeBron was injured last year. Westbrook had his own leg issues and AD is, well, I'm not even going to say no offense, but he's always injured. I mean, he's just an extremely injury prone player. Sure. So my question is, if you want to take LeBron to an MVP, I thought he was going to take some games off last year because mm-hmm. of the fact that they won the title, they had the short off season. And I think LeBron said publicly he was going to take some games off. And then he proceeded to take no games off, was favored to win MVP, and then he got injured. 
I guess the one thing I'm concerned about for taking LeBron is do you think that even though LeBron might be poised to put together a huge year to prove people wrong or whatever, I'm assuming the Lakers have to rest him for at least a couple of games out of the year after he got injured last season. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and I also think that because they got bounced in that first round, he didn't have to play all those extra games if they would have advanced, right? He gets that almost, what, extra month or so Mm -hmm. compared to maybe some of the other players like Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, who also went to play overseas with, with the with Team USA in the Olympics. Same thing with Giannis, right? They they got all the way to the NBA Finals. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, all these. Devin Booker, another guy that went overseas. So I think LeBron getting that extra rest. I think if he plays around 67 in that 70 range, if he mm-hmm. plays that many games, I think that if he puts up the numbers like you mentioned and the Lakers – end up as a number one seed in the uh, Western Conference, I-, I think that LeBron could take home that award unless somebody else just puts up like godly numbers and and ends up as, you know, a top three seed in the East. I don't think a player from the Brooklyn Nets will win the award just because they have a bigger and better big three. But with the guys that you have in the Lakers, like you mentioned, Anthony Davis, who's always injured, Russell Westbrook, we know he can... He likes a stat pad, but how much of that is still going to be there when you're on the team with LeBron and Anthony Davis is my question. So uh, you know, those are just kind of the general thoughts about LeBron James MVP candidacy. Yeah, that's fair. I was just throwing out the potential of him being forced to rest in a couple of games, which might hurt your chances. But overall, yeah. I think the odds are still too... I still, I still think there's a lot of value on the odds with LeBron just because if he's close, yeah, you know the media is going to find a way to fit the LeBron narrative and give him give him the award. Yeah, so. I think, yeah, kind of to wrap it up at the last point, I think that if they are, let's say they have like a six-game lead going into like the, maybe the final week or so, there's no incentive to play him, right? And I think those are the games that may, he may just take off and he doesn't have to play. So maybe, I mean, you know, that's, a, that's another what-if situation. But yeah, I agree with you because he's kind of getting up there in age that he may have to take some more games off and, and quote-unquote do that load management Let's take a quick break uh, before we get into the Southwest Division, and then Scott and I will get right into it. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live, in-game odds on every major sport, we have what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $500 sports bet. Download Bet Win. Download WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Coming off the break, uh, like I mentioned, we'll break down the Southwest Division today. Uh, Scott, let's just get right into it, man. I want to start with the Dallas Mavericks here. Um, I did see a book put up some odds for regular season win totals. So I'll quickly rattle off what I see for the Dallas Mavericks. So the regular season win totals, 48 and a half 
uh, wins over under to make the playoff. The yes is at minus 650. The no is at plus 450. To win the Western Conference, they are at 14 to 1. And to win the NBA title next season, 25 to 1. Obviously, the big news with the Dallas Mavericks in this offseason was the hiring of Jason Kidd as the head coach and Luka Dantas signing the five year, $200 million deal to stay with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, Scott, I'll kick it to you, man. What do you think this is? I guess let's start with the Luka and the Jason Kidd uh, news. What were your, kind of your general thoughts there? Well, I have some experience for, as Jason Kidd being the head coach of my favorite team because I am a Nets fan through and through yep. before they were good. So keep that in mind. But anyway, okay. I didn't think he was that great of a coach. Now, was he a bad coach? No, I thought he was kind of neutral. Is he any, Is he anywhere near the same quality as Rick Carlisle? No. So I think we would agree that Dallas downgraded at head coach. Now, when it comes to the actual roster, they re-signed Hardaway Jr., they re-signed Boban, which is always funny for the meme. Uh, they ended up signing Reggie Bullock as another shooter, and they signed Sterling Brown. Now, Sterling Brown is a guy who I've n- never really thought that highly of. I think he's okay. Meanwhile, you have the likes of Bullock, who I think will help with a 3-and-D philosophy. But this team's going to go as far as Luka can carry them because we already know Porzingis has either one of the worst contracts in the league or he's one of the worst fits in the league, potentially both with that overall roster. So win total of 48 and a half, even if Carlisle was coach, I'd still like the under with Jason Kidd with a new system, which failed with Giannis in Milwaukee. I can't take the over on this win total. I mean, it's 48 and a half. I, I think they'll win 45 games, something like that. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think if you want to make an argument for them to miss the playoffs, it has to do with the four game playing series stuff going on because I think Dallas could be anywhere from the seven to the 10, but I think Dallas will probably end up with a six barely. I think the team's okay. I think Luca, if he stays healthy, he's going to carry this team to a six seed or even potentially a five seed because he's that good, but you're going to look at the team and the overall roster or the starting lineup for the first day of the season. And you're going to realize this team really doesn't have much talent besides Luca. Yeah, And I think that's going to be the issue. So for me, I like the under and wins, but I think they'll make the playoffs. Yeah, and if you kind of go back to last season, they finished up. They they obviously won the Southwest Division, finished 42 and 30. Um, but like you mentioned, I just don't feel like they did anything to really upgrade the roster, right? And I think you don't want to waste – I mean, Luca hasn't even entered his prime years, but I think this is a time where you need to kind of capitalize and, and surround this guy with – pieces to compete in the Western conference because Luca, I mean, we know what he's capable of, right? We saw it against the Clippers last season in the playoffs over the past two seasons against the Clippers where, you know, he, he can just go out every single night and in the playoffs and drop you a 40 piece. But I think the Moses Brown trade or is kind of underrated. You know, we talked about this guy a lot last season when he was with the Oklahoma city thunder and they kind of need that inside presence. I think that if they're able to develop him, he could be a nice piece, not really going to move the needle, but a good piece to have um, on your roster. Lost Josh Richardson, and eh, that didn't do much there for me. But against the biggest story for this team is that, you know, the disconnect or the disrespect, quote unquote, that KP is feeling that he's not treated as a co-star next to Luca. Um, I guess the contract is atrocious for KP for him to be moved. But do you see him being on this team come trade deadline next season? I don't think you can move him, which is why, even though Dallas didn't do much during the offseason, 
I can't exactly blame them when you have that large of a contract issue going on with your alleged second best player. Mm -hmm. I think Tim Hardaway Jr. might be better than Porzingis at this point because he was better in the playoff series. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give Dallas a pass for the offseason because with Porzingis on the roster and you can't move him, I don't think you're going to win much anyway. But the... I'd say the plus of the offseason was you re-signed uh, Luca for a couple more years, which is a win automatically in itself. You should have a parade just for that contract being signed in the first place. Yeah. But as long as Porzingis is there, he's either A, not going to be that productive, or B, not going to be healthy. Either way, I can't take the over and win totals with a brand-new head coach with a big man who I don't even really know how to describe him at this point, just completely deteriorated from what he once was. Yeah. Am I being harsh or is that fair? No, you're 100% correct. I mean, if we kind of take go back and look at how many games that he's kind of played and let me try to see if I can uh, pull that up. But the thing with Porzingis is, I mean, we like, like you mentioned, like we don't know like what he wants to do on the offensive end. Like, I mean, he's a seven foot guy, seven foot three to be exact. And if we kind of take a look at how many games, so 2018, 2019, he missed the entire season with an ACL injury and then uh, 20 in the 2019 2020 season, he only played 57 games, and the last season, only 43 games. He's never played a full season. The most he's played was his rookie year with the New York Knicks, where he played 72 games. After that, 65, 48, 57, and 43 with one full season that he missed. And the amount of money that this guy is getting paid for, I feel like he's just getting he's, he's robbing, he's robbing the Dallas Mavericks right now. So I think they kind of need to move on from him. I mean, yeah, when he's fully healthy. He can go out and get you 20 points a night, but health is the biggest issue with KP, and I think they can replace him with the better pieces around uh, Luka. Like you mentioned, Tim Hardaway Jr. was absolutely incredible in the playoffs over the last two years, right? Knockdown shooter. Mm-hmm. This guy can any given night go out and get you six to seven three-pointers a night. So I really want to see Dallas like really build around Luka, right? And obviously being in Texas, I don't want to see it, but Mark Cuban is known to take chances, right? He'll He'll try to build around Luca and 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 try to improve this roster and try to win a championship. But um, any other thoughts on this team, or do you want to move on? Uh, for me, I still think that the odds to make the playoffs are still yes with a dramatic minus price, which doesn't surprise me because I think they'll make the playoffs. Yeah, it was kind of weird because there were win totals available, there were playoff odds, but no division title odds, which I found kind of fascinating because mm-hmm. I was curious what Dallas would be laying in the situation. Either way. We can agree Cuban likes to be aggressive, but I think that he might realize this team's not winning anything as long as Porzingis is on the roster. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if Porzingis ends up leaving in free agency. If at that moment, Dallas will unload the piggy bank and try to get everybody. I think they might just be taking a wait-and-see approach. But with the uncertainties going on with Porzingis and Jason Kidd as a coach here, I got to like the under on the win total. Yeah, and last season, just not sure if I mentioned this, finished... 42 and 30 and they only played 10 less games compared to the regular 82 season. So yeah, I agree with you. I kind of like this under on the Dallas Mavericks just because I don't feel like this roster is there to win 49 games in a, in a regular uh, NBA season. There are 82 games. Let's move on to the Memphis Grizzlies here. Um, Currently they made a lot of moves in the off season. We'll get to that here in a second, but I'll quickly talk about their odds that are posted right now. Regular season win total is at 41 and a half wins. 
to make the playoffs, the both yes and the no is at minus 110. Conference title, 50 to 1, and title odds are at 90 to 1. And last season, they finished up the regular season at 38 and 34. Scott, they made a lot of moves in this offseason. Obviously, the trade with uh, Valanchunas and between, sorry, between the Memphis Grizzlies and the Pelicans, kind of trading off their big man. Uh, they had the trade with the Clippers, uh, all sorts of moves. They lost Grayson Allen to the Bucks. Uh, so a lot of roster turnover for this team. And I saw a report this morning that they were making Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson available at the right price. Now, I'm not sure if that's just smoke and mirrors, but where are you standing with this Memphis Grizzlies team? Well, when it comes to the final point about Brooks and Kyle Anderson being available for the right pl- uh, price, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a standard move. If you get offered anything that you think is worth the value, if not more for players, you should take the trade, which I think a lot of teams don't do. They have a sense of loyalty to some role players or some pretty decent guys. But you hear the same reference, whether you're talking about just uh, – I'm trying to think of like uh, Django where you're talking about what if I would give you an offer so ridiculous that you'd be forced to consider it that you should consider it because they're giving you more, I know a lot of value for a player that you might think is worth less. So I do think that it makes sense in some situations, but for the sake of this Grizzlies team, I like this team. I know that Valanchun is a great offensive player for a center, which really you don't have many good offensive centers at this point in the league anymore, but Adams is better defensively. The thing about the Grizzlies is that the fact this team won 38 games last year and Morant was also out for a decent amount of time. So yeah. they managed to find ways to win without their clear best player. Also a reminder, Jaron Jackson also didn't play for about the first two, three months before he came back later. And we know how good he is defensively. So yes, I do agree that offensively they might look worse because of the fact that Valanchunas is no longer on the team. Defense. Defensively, though, with a healthy Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams, yeah. they might have one of the best defenses in the league. Is it going to be the best? Of course not, but I think it'll be top 10. So I think defensively, they should look a lot sharper. I like the over because if Moran can stay healthy, this team proved that it has the supporting pieces to be competitive in the Western Conference. And I'm sure a lot of people didn't expect them to beat Golden State in the play-in game last year, and they did, especially on you know in that thrilling overtime game but yeah. if Moran can stay healthy and this team defensively is as good as I think it might be I think they should win 44 games I think it'll be a sweat one way or another but I think that this win total is a bit low considering the fact that this team made the playoffs last year has some experience and Morant is still really really good yeah I think that I really like the depth outside of uh, Morant and Triple J on this team, right? You take a look at Brandon Clark. You take a look at uh, Desmond Bain, who was really good in the summer league for for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Xavier Tillman, another guy that can really maybe take that next step forward for this team. They also drafted uh, Zaire Williams out of Stanford um, with their draft pick. So I think that even though offensively that they lost Jonas Valanciunas, I think there's enough to maybe – compensate for that loss Grayson Allen you know a pretty good shooter but I think they they'll be able to replace him with with Desmond Bain I think maybe the plan is to for Bain to kind of take over that role that Grayson Allen had um there was another name that uh, DeAnthony Milton I think is another guy that's going to be really good for them so I I really like the depth in the bench for this team um they also what added Patrick Beverly onto this roster 
Uh, no, so he got traded to Minnesota, didn't he? Yeah, he went to Minnesota. Yeah. We're not sure if he's going to stay. I know that the Grizzlies technically have Rondo. He's probably not going to be there in about a day or two, but he's technically yeah. on the roster. Yeah. So I really like the depth on this team, and um, I think we got to give a lot of uh, credit to their head coach also, right? He's been really good for this team when they when they hired him. Um, that blue-collar mentality that we talk about with with Memphis and, and, the, and their, their grittiness, I think that really plays really well with the defensive mindset that you talked about, right? This team could be great defensively. Like you mentioned, not – tops in the league, but I think they could be easily a top 10 defense in the league. Um, and again, with a lot of teams that we talk about, health is always the biggest issue, whether it's in any sport, right? Football, basketball, and if that John Moran and Triple J are able to stay healthy and the, the pieces that you kind of have around them, I think this could be another team that's, you know, can sneak into that play in game or finish as a seventh or eighth seed and exceed that 41 and a half win total. So I agree with you there that this number was a, a little low for me. Um, I really don't like laying a minus price, if it, even if it's like minus 105, minus 110 for them to make the playoffs. But I think that that's a bet that you may want to consider because when you have a talent, like we mentioned, with his roster, I think that they will probably be able to sneak into that playing game or finish as AS, maybe a seventh or eighth seed. Yeah, that's kind of why I'm looking at the no potentially for making the playoffs because this team to me has seven or eight seed written all over it. And I just think they're going to be in the playing game. I think we yep. would agree with that. So I'm not really interested in one. Yes. When you have to win a couple of bonus games, when the regular season basically doesn't matter at that point, mm. because it all comes down to single elimination or even some cases, double elimination. Yeah. I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I, I think they'll lose in the, one of the playing games, but I do think they'll win 43 to 45 games. I agree with you hundred percent. You have anything else for this team or did you want to move on? Uh, for the most part, no. Once again, though, keep your eyes open for potential trades. The fact that Brooks and Anderson are allegedly on the market already yeah. means that if this team is even a 10 seed by the actual trade deadline, they might blow it up. So keep that in mind, where if you are looking for a team to buy at the deadline to maybe give them a push, Memphis does not seem like that kind of team. They seem like the kind of team that if they're kind of treading water, they're going to unload some of their quality role players. Of course, Jaw's untouchable. I think yeah. Jackson's untouchable. But yeah. in general, I think Brooks is a solid player, especially mm -hmm. defensively because he, he hustles a lot and he makes people work for it. And Anderson's a guy who moves in slow motion, but he's somehow effective. So I do <laughs> think that you're going to see potentially one of them be moved if the team struggles. So that's also why I kind of like the no for the playoffs because I do think there's a chance that Grizzlies might sell at yeah. the trade deadline. But that's kind of just speculation on my part. I don't know if you have any opinions on if they might trade somebody midseason, but I think they're more likely to trade away players during the season than trading four players during the regular yeah. season. Yeah, I agree, because there's a lot of expiring contracts on this roster that they might want to trade away. But also have to keep in mind that you're eventually going to have you, – I think you're going to have to pay Triple J if you want to keep him there. And also, eventually, you're going to have to pay Ja Morant also, right? So – like you mentioned that if this team is maybe really not in contention, they're going to want to unload those contracts and create some cap space going into next summer where they're going to have to sign some players. And, and, you know, there's, there's some guys on this roster that are due for extension. So uh, definitely something to keep in mind as we get closer, not only to the season, but eventually to the trade deadline and, and keep your eye out for the Memphis Grizzlies. Anything else uh, for this team, Scott? No, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Let's move on to maybe one of the, Biggest head-scratching off-season moves in trade so far is the New Orleans Pelicans. And 
Their regular season win total right now is set at 39 and a half. To make the playoffs, they are plus 170 on the yes, minus 210 on the no. Conference title odds, 45 to 1, and NBA championship odds are at 90 to 1. Scott, I'll kick it off to you to start this, man. Um, what did you think of the trade with the acquisition of Devontae Graham? Giving up a first-round pick for Devontae Graham I thought was ridiculous, <laughs> but... At the end of the day, you lost Lonzo for basically nothing. I mean, I know technically it was signed in trade, but you basically got nothing for him. They panicked, and they tried to find a replacement point guard. The issue I have with that is the fact that Graham is a shoot-first point guard. Yep. And when he shoots, it's not always the most efficient shots in the world. He's the kind of guy who has arguably the same field goal percentage as three-point percentage because that's basically the only shot that he takes. So I do question how he's going to look when he's going to be kind of a catch-and-shoot guy, if I could even say that, because I'm assuming that Zion and Ingram are going to have the ball in their hands pretty much the entire time. Now, we would agree Van Gundy was a terrible fit from the get-go. You can tell with the closing lineups he had where he was using Lonzo and Bledsoe at the same time to close late games in the fourth quarter as just a fireball offense back in arguably January. And yet he did it for the entire year, which is why they lost a lot of close games. But Willie Green, I think, could be good. He might not be. But the point is, is that we don't know. So if you want to gamble on a first-year head coach to win 40-plus games, good luck to you. I'm not going to take that gamble. But at the end of the day, it goes back to a main point, which we have to talk about. Do I think Ingram and Zion can play together and win? And my answer is no. I don't think they can. I don't think it's as bad when it comes to winning titles or anything like that as the Simmons and beat experiment, which I think is laughable that Simmons is still on the team because they've had (laughs) about what, four years to work this out, if not more. And you could tell it's clearly not going to work out in Philly, but for the sake of new Orleans, I've seen enough from Ingram and Zion to know that at the end of the day, Zion should have the ball all the time late in games because his field goal percentage is so high and he's good enough at the foul line where if he goes to the line late in games, you're not totally panicking like a Giannis situation during the regular season. But Ingram will never embrace being a Robin because in his mind, he'll always be Batman. And I think that's why you have an issue between the two of them when it comes down to it. Plus the fact that both of them defensively are, well, for lack of a better word, bad. They're not good defensive players, which is why you're going to have a huge issue defensively, especially now that Steven Adams is not there. I think their defense should be even worse this team during the offseason, I mean, we mentioned the fact that they lost Lonzo. They traded Steven Adams for Valanchunas, which should help offensively, but defensively should hurt. Uh, they ended up getting Garrett Temple, who can shoot threes. I know uh, Hart's supposed to be back, so he's been a very good role player for them. I like the under, though. There's really just not much that I can say with regard to New Orleans finding a sudden peak which I don't think is going to happen. We can agree that Zion's had injury issues in the past. Ingram has had issues with ball hogging in the past. I do wonder if that's going to potentially play a factor, but they don't have a true point guard. Mm -hmm. And for a team that's been dysfunctional for the last couple of years, you need a floor general, and they don't have that. So I'm going to go with the under because I think this team's going to underachieve again, and people are going to look over. At some point, you'll hear the four-letter network saying, you know, Zion should play for the Knicks at some point, maybe in the <laughs> second month of the season. But I think they got to trade Ingram. You can't trade Zion. I just don't think Ingram's a good fit with him. 
I'll let you give your thoughts on the fit between the two of them, but I don't see it working out. And I do think that 39 and a half might seem low. Mm. I actually think it's too high. I think they'll win around 35 games. You? Yeah, I think going back to the first point you made that do you want to bet on a rookie head coach coming in to win at least 40 games? Playing pretty much 500 basketball, right? In that Western Conference, which is when healthy, when all your all-stars are healthy, could be a, a very tough task. Um, and I think going back to the point that you had Stan Van Gundy on this team who would, would really want to preach defense, but it didn't happen for the for the Pelicans last season, right? And then arguably you can say that Lonzo Ball and Steven Adams were probably their two best defensive players. Can we say that? Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, and, and now you're replacing them with Jonas Valanciunas and Devontae Graham. So I think, I mean – this defense is going to be even worse. I mean, I mean, how worse can it be? But they're going to be even worse, right? Um, I mean, as far as your point that you talked about with Zion and uh, Brandon Ingram, I think you hit the nail on the head that Brandon Ingram is not going to want to be a Robin to Zion Williamson, right? And you're going to have to find a trade for Brandon Ingram. Um, Ingram's, I mean, he's a great offensive player, right? Again, defense and, and being in and out of the lineup with, knick-knack injuries has has kind of halted him but um i think that if he you know gets on a team where that just kind of need a bona fide score i think brandon ingram would fit right in i don't think he can be a batman on any team i don't know what are your thoughts on that he can be a batman on a team that'll win 20 games yeah for sure i mean but not on a contender right so no yeah, and, and so I think that's something that he's going to have to mature about it and realize that if he wants to win in the WN, oh, sorry, WNBA, the NBA, um, that he's going to have to kind of embrace that role of being maybe the second guy or even a third guy on a contending team. So obviously that the marketability of Zion is, is far bigger than that of Brandon Ingram, and then that's why everybody wants to see a superstar like zion or that that name in new york in a big market where they can just plaster him on the four-letter network so yeah i don't i agree with you that that fit is not right for zion and brandon ingram because these guys are both guys that probably want the ball down the stretch um in fourth quarter in clutch time and i agree with you because zion has a higher field goal percentage and a guy that can just get to the basket at will and finish around the basket that he should have the ball in his hand so um, Willie Green's going to have a, a a tall order and tough task here. Number one, trying to improve this team defensively and trying to make them better. And then number two, they're going Zion and Brandon Ingram are going to have to figure out how they're going to play together. If not, then you know, rightfully so, like you mentioned, that Ingram is probably the one that has to go because you're not trading Zion, right? Because he's going to be he's a franchise player. He he's he's a guy that's marketable, but. Again, we heard last season that, you know, not from any official reporters that Zion probably wants to be out of New Orleans and go somewhere else. Is the New York Knicks a possibility? Sure, it always is. But we're kind of have to wait and see what happens. So, again, I agree with you that this number is a little too high for me. Last season, they only finished with, what, but 31 wins, 31 and 41 in the 72-game season. And all of a sudden, you're asking them to win, what, what I say? It was 39 and a half for this team, so... I just don't see it, man. I agree with you with that. The Pelicans are are closer to blowing it up than being a contender. Uh, that's how I'm looking at it. I mean, you can talk about Zion and what maybe they'll look at for an offensive game plan. 
The issue I have a little bit with Willie Green being brought in is the fact that we saw what Phoenix did last year offensively, mm-hmm. which was give pick and rolls for Chris Paul and Booker pretty much every single play. Right. And now you don't have a true point guard or even, I would say, a guard because I consider Ingram a forward. But at the end of the day, I expect to see a lot of points Zion just because I think they might have to do that. Yeah. And the issue I have with that is what are you going to do? You're going to tell Brandon Ingram to set screens? Like, no, like, I, I, don't, I don't really know what your plan is. Now, Ingram is a player who I recognize the offensive upside. Yeah. Do I think he's a winning basketball player? No, because if he's not making his shots for rebounding, he's still extremely skinny. I don't think he's a great rebounder. He's okay because of his height, but I think yeah. he could be a better rebounder. And defensively, he's a complete liability. Right. And he's also never been a great facilitator. So he's a good isolation score. That's kind of it in my opinion so it might sound harsh but I want you to think about all the times you've seen Brendan Ingram play and you said to yourself that's a tremendous pass by Brandon Ingram there aren't many opportunities you can say that because he's not really passing the ball yeah and like you mentioned I mean he's for his size he's a good rebounder but I want to throw this at you do you think a trade for a, a trade centered around Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram would make sense for both teams I think it would. Now, Philly wouldn't do it because they were asking for 75 first pick, uh, first round picks for a guy who can't shoot a free throw, But <laughs> which I still think is laughable what the asking price was during the offseason. But I think that's a trade that makes sense. I mean, yeah. people are going to keep mentioning Simmons for a CJ McCollum type mm-hmm. or these other guys. I think Ingram makes a ton of sense if you want to talk about him with Philly because of the fact that he's not afraid to take the big shots late in games, which has been an issue for Philly in the past Yeah, because Simmons in the fourth quarter, I mean, it's not even just a matter of making shots. He's not taking shots and Ingram could help you out by just being a big shot maker in that situation where Simmons would give you the elite defensive, uh, you know, backcourt that you'd need because he's a phenomenal on ball defender. And he's also very unselfish, which is similar to Alonzo and why he worked out with that team in the end, because he was willing to, I'd say, do things off ball and he was willing to guard the other team's best player and provide other intangibles that a lot of other guards in the league don't have. So I think that is a trade that would make sense. Yeah. Would Philly ever do that? No. I think Philly thinks that Ben Simmons is more valuable than he actually is. Yeah. And, and that just kind of came to my mind because we were talking about how the Pelicans eat a point guard, a, a defensive guy and Ben Simmons, the guy that kind of answers two of those questions for you. And it makes a lot of sense. But like you mentioned, Philly's not going to do that. They they want, like you mentioned, 75 first-round picks. So uh, we'll see what happens with uh, Ben Simmons and the Philly situation. Uh, anything else you have for this team, uh, Scott? Uh, not really. I just think overall there's a lot of uncertainty. It's kind of like the uncertainty that we talked about for the Mavericks with the new coach, except for the fact that we've seen Doncic carry a team by himself. Yeah, We've yet to see Ingram and Zion finish over 500. Why would I pick them now to start doing it? I like the under. This... I'll tell you what, though, last year was a great over year for New Orleans. It might be an even better year for overs. I don't know how many games we're going to have price in the 240s with totals in Grizzlies game, in uh, Pelicans games. Yeah. But we said Memphis might be a top 10 defense. The Pelicans are probably going to be bottom five. Oh, 100%. They can't guard anybody. Yeah. And, and, and it kind of goes back that San Van Gundy defensive minded coach try to get this team to buy in on the defensive end. And you parlay that with you losing your top two defensive players, it might be a very long season for them to, uh, at least on the defensive end. So I think early on, this was something we'll be having to keep a track of and maybe just 
blindly taking uh, whoever New Orleans Pelicans are playing that night on their team total to go over that night. So uh, definitely will be interesting to see. Uh, any last thoughts on this team? No, that's pretty much it. I, right. I think this team's going to be underwhelming, but I think the media is going to try to force the Zion narrative and how this team should be great all year long. But that's just because of superstar potential. This team as a whole, I don't think is as good as the sum of its parts. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I don't think it's as good as the actual parts. I think the sum's going to be worse. Yeah. And I agree with you again. This, this 39 and a half regular season win totals. It doesn't make sense to me, but uh, I guess we'll, we'll once we get closer to the season, I'm sure we'll be revisiting some of these teams again. Let's take a quick break and we'll get to the final two teams in this division. We're brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Football season is about to kick off and PropSwap is here to make this your best season ever. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money, it just needs to improve. For example, Last year, the Buffalo Bills were 35-1 to to win the Super Bowl. After they reached the AFC Championship game, a prop swap customer who bet $100 on the Bills before the season sold that ticket for $900. That was an 800% return for the seller on a ticket that ended up losing. Think of prop swap like the stock market, but for sports betting, buy low, sell high. The average seller on PropSwap makes over $500 per month, just listing and selling tickets. And when making your bets, remember to go for two. Make two tickets on the same team so you can sell one for a profit and keep one to leave yourself some skin in the game. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or download PropSwap app. PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. We're also brought to you by PicksWise. PicksWise is the number one home of free sports betting picks, props, and parlays, helmed by a team of trend-watching, data-devouring sports fanatics giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction. For every game, every day, and every sport, all for free. Visit PicksWise.com to make your next bet better. PicksWise backs responsible gambling. If you or someone you know wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Coming off the break, Scott, two teams left, both Texas teams. And I'll go with the San Antonio Spurs here. Um, Regular season win totals right now posted is 28 and a half wins. To make the playoffs, yes, is at 11 to 1. The no is at minus 3,000. Conference odds, 130 to one title odds, 250 to one. Um, I was really confused to see. I know they lost some veterans from this team, but 28 and a half wins seems a little low to me. What are your thoughts on that? It's really a tricky spot because we're used to Popovich being somewhere in the high forties, low fifties for win totals. Yeah. And now you're asking him to basically win about a third of his games, which is really just a rare spot for Popovich to be in. Having said that, they lost a lot. Now, you mentioned some. I'll go through some of the details here. To go through the actual uh, roster turnover, they lost to Rosen, they lost Patty Mills, and they lost Rudy Gay. Did they get anything for any of those guys? Absolutely not. I mean, they got nothing. So, you know, sorry for your loss there. But you ended up acquiring Doug McDermott, McBuckets, you got Thaddeus Young, and you got Zach Collins. Now, I'm not going to lie. You mentioned the questionable offseason when you introduced the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. I thought you were introducing the Spurs, <laughs> just to be <laughs> honest, because you can say the same thing about both these teams. San Antonio's offseason was just an F-. It, it yeah. was awful. 
I mean, there's really no other way around it, especially when you have a low teen pick and you take Primo, which yeah. is kind of ironic because it was a horrible pick despite the last name. I, I just think that they could have went so many other directions. Primo's a guy who people viewed as being potentially good, but a little bit of a project where he might take maybe two years before he finds his footing. Now, the backcourt for San Antonio is also pretty crowded. DeJounte Murray I like. I think Derek White's pretty good at times. Lonnie Walker's never healthy, but when he is healthy, he's decent. I can understand your point of why this total seems low. Is it one of those spots where I think Vegas might be daring you to take the over? Yeah. I'm going to look at the under because I feel like with Popovich, you just assume that you can pencil them in for 30-something wins. At the end of the day, though, they just have no veteran leadership on the entire team. And I know you can throw in a bunch of young kids who might look very excited to be there and, you know, they don't know any better that they're supposed to be bad and they might compete every night. I just think this team's going to stink. Yeah. I, I get the idea that you're trying to push, which is the fact that it's still disrespectful. You know, the drop off mm. would be huge for them not to reach it. But I feel like if you want to take the over, you're solely taking it because of Popovich and you just think that he'll find a way to win games. Good luck to you with that. I'm going to look at the under because I think this team's going to be awful. You mean uh, your oldest two players are not veteran leaders at Al, Al Farouk Aminu, who's 30, and then Doug McBuckets at 29? They're not, they, they can't be the veteran leaders? I think it's tough for both of them to be the leaders on a franchise where they don't exactly know what the culture of the franchise is because they've never been on the team before. Yeah. So when your two main veterans are guys who have no connection to the actual franchise besides a contract from about three, four months ago, no, I don't exactly see much leadership going on there. <laughs> the team, I like Yaka Pirtle. They have some pieces that I think are decent, but sure. we could talk about a San Antonio might also blow it up at the deadline. Now, I can't really say blow it up because they're already a project, but mm. can you see them maybe packaging a couple of young players for draft picks? Sure. I think they could. It wouldn't surprise me, so I'm going to look at the under. Yeah, I mean, there's, so, there's, there's a lot of talent, like you mentioned, right, with DeJounte Murray and Derek White, but... You know, you still have Keldon Johnson on this team who's, who's you know, pretty good, who was on Team USA. Yeah, sorry, Olympic gold medalist. I forgot about Keldon oh, Johnson. Oh, yeah, sorry. Right. Sorry I mentioned that. that. Um, <laughs> and then you also have Devin Vassell on this team, like you mentioned, Lonnie Walker Jr. Or, sorry, Laurie, Lonnie Walker the fourth. So you have talent on this team, right? Um, sorry, I forgot also veteran leader Thaddeus Sun got to throw his name in there also, but – yeah, like you mentioned, I think there's a big log jam in this backcourt. Um, offensively, I think they'll be great. A lot of offensive talent. Defense is going to be the question for me on this team. And as much as, at least when we've, when they had Tim Duncan in, in that era with Tony Park and those guys, they were a pretty good defensive team. But it's a brand new era, like you mentioned, with with you know a project that is the San Antonio Spurs. But I mean, not much else for me to say. Um, and they're not going to be in the playoffs, I don't think. Um, I'm starting to lean come towards your side of, of this being in the under, just looking at the roster. Um, they, what, finished 31, I think at 31 or 33 wins last season. And that was with the likes of Mills, DeRozan, and company. Exactly. So yeah. It might get ugly. Yeah, so um, I think that it, this will be a fun team to watch, you know, to see some of these players grow and, and see what their talent will be with guys that we mentioned, but yeah, I mean, not much else. I mean, do you have anything else for this team? It's not really exciting. 
The only thing that I'm kind of wondering at this point is uh, in the NFL, we're looking at Belichick in New England and how he's going for win records and how he's mm-hmm. trying to hang on there, even though his team might not be as good as it used to be. What exactly is Popovich still doing in San Antonio? I get the idea that he wants to stay loyal to the team and everything like that. Can we acknowledge this roster has been going absolutely nowhere for the last, I don't even know what, five years, four years since Kawhi left? Yeah. That, that combination of what they were trying to do, I guess, with DeRozan and Aldridge just didn't work out, or I don't think was going to even work out when they landed uh, DeRozan um, in, in the trade with the Kawhi Leonard. But yeah, I think that if I guess I'm just, yeah, I guess, sorry, I'm just, I guess I'm just wondering to kind of finish to flush out my point if I was being unclear. I'm not sure why Popovich hasn't retired yet. Yeah, I, I, I can see that also. It, 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 it seems like that, it, yeah, it's time for them to move on from Popovich. And like you mentioned, I don't know if he's just being loyal to the franchise, but the it's time to probably bring in a younger, a younger piece to be a, or a younger person to be the head coach there, right? Because you have so many young players. I'm sure that Pop will probably retire, but do you think that he'll be valuable to a contending team? I think you would. On, I mean, he another, has a, yeah. yeah, he has experience. I mean, we talked about Willie Green going into New Orleans, like just say hypothetically, an alternative universe in New Orleans had Pop as head coach. Suddenly think they're going to make the playoffs. It's just, it's just the way it is, in my opinion. I think that if you bring in a guy with that type of pedigree, that would help. Now, I'm not saying straight up that Popovich just ditched the Spurs. I know that he was rumored to potentially be the Nets head coach before they ended up signing, uh, Jay, uh, they ended up signing Steve Nash mm. uh, during the previous offseason. He, he, his name was in there. But I guess I'm just asking because I don't know how long it's going to take to fully rebuild the Spurs. The fact that they lost everybody that had really any leadership or any, I'd say, proven NBA ability. Yeah, DeJounte's proven it, but still, the fact that all those other guys ended up leaving, San Antonio's going to be rebuilding for the next couple of years. Popovich yep. is already up there in years. Does he really want to sit through a rebuild for about four years? I, I just doubt it, and I don't think San Antonio is an attractive free agent destination, so maybe I'm just waiting for Popovich to retire at some point, but yeah. I don't know if a, a younger coach would just be be better in general for this team for development or just the fact that I can't believe Popovich didn't just retire with the ship when everything was already just already, you know, you could tell the glory days were behind you. You knew this team was going to struggle. I'm shocked Popovich didn't either retire or just leave. I'm I'm shocked. He's still there. I'm not, I'm still shocked that he didn't retire right now after winning the gold medal. Like you're done. It's time for you to move on or maybe go to a contending team. But uh, like you mentioned, I, yeah, uh, just kind of waiting around to see when coach coach leaves, right? Because there's so much young talent on this team. If you just go up and down and look at the age of some of these guys on this roster, um, they, they could probably be his grandkids. But yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with, with the San Antonio Spurs. I, we're not gonna we're not expecting them to be a contender on this team um, next uh, next season. Anything yeah. else for this team, or do you want to move on to the last team? I think if you want to talk about win totals and confidence level, this is probably my lowest confidence level just because I think this team could go either overachieving with youngsters or just got awful. I don't think it was a middle ground. I think it's going to be one or the other, but people can talk about Popovich and how he's, you know, this genius and how we'll find ways to win games. Have you watched the Spurs the last couple of years? Because <laughs> they haven't really done anything. I'm not trying to roast Popovich. Yeah. I know he's an all-time great coach, but 
there's one thing if you want to talk about the fact that Popovich is a genius who can win with anybody. And there's another notion to mention, which is the fact that he had Robinson, Duncan, and he had Kawhi Leonard. And now he's got none of those three. Was he the was he fortunate to have generational talents during the majority of his career? Yeah. I think yeah. that definitely helped out his coaching record. Yeah, hundred percent. And and you know, with the Spurs team, it's like we mentioned, it's it's rebuilding time, developing these young guys and and kind of seeing where that kind of leads them. And like you mentioned that if they are gonna maybe, you know, package some of these young guys together to get some more draft picks and, and maybe move up into that top seven, top five pick next season in the draft. I, I think that might have to be your best bet as far as really finding a, a franchise moving player, but we'll see what happens uh, with this team moving on. And I purposely left this team as a last team to, for you to kind of temper my expectations on this team. Uh, it's going to be the Houston Rockets, right? Uh, I mean, I'll quickly read off their regular season win totals are at 27 and a half uh, to make the playoffs. They're at 16 to one. The no is at uh, minus 5,000 conference and title 250 to one and 500 to one. Don't even need to mention those, but Scott, I'll let you start off with this, man. Um, we're now officially removed from the James Harden era in, in Houston. A uh, full offseason of not having that drama, which transpired last season with, you know, Westbrook, Westbrook winning out and then eventually Harden getting moved to the Brooklyn Nets. You had the number two overall pick with Jalen Green. You also had a couple more first round draft picks with Alperin Sangoon. You added uh, Josh Christopher and then also uh, Garuba from overseas. Um, do you think that the Rockets are on the right track to build a contending team or at least compete for a playoff spot maybe in the next three to four to five years? I think they're on the right track because by the time they might be good, LeBron should probably be retired by then. So I think <laughs> you're, you're looking at the next wave in the Western Conference. But the thing about this team, I'll focus on this year. I like the moves they made during the offseason, which was basically – hold the fort and draft good young talent. And that's what they did. I really like their draft class. Sangoon proved in the summer league, the guy could be really legit. Now, mm -hmm. of course, summer league doesn't fully translate to the NBA in regular season, but I think we would agree. He looked pretty comfortable out there. We know that green is an offensive force defensively. He's got some work to do, but offensively he's a very talented shooter. Then again, he also got injured in yeah. summer league. So I am curious if that's going to be a nagging issue or if that's just a, you know, a one-time thing, but Christopher, I like defensively, but I don't expect him to really do anything on this roster because his offense is, let's just say a project. He's a good defensive player, but offensively he needs more consistency with his just shot form. So I don't see him being much of a factor, at least in his rookie season, but you're looking at a win total right now of 27 and a half. Last year, we know that this team was okay for about the first 20 games. And then Christian Wood got injured. Then Wall got injured. Remember when Oladipo was on the team? I'm sure a lot of people remember that. But yeah, he's not on the team anymore. He's not on the team anymore. Yeah. But if Wall can stay healthy, which of course is a huge if, but if you give Wall 40-something games, and let's give Christian Wood 60, right? Mm -hmm. I think this team could potentially win 30 games. Are they going to? 
Probably not. But I actually think there's some talent on this team. I think Christian Wood is really, really good. Yeah. And John Wall, despite being up there in years, we can agree still has something left in the tank. Is it much for a contender? No. But for a bottom feeder team, he'll put up numbers. Now, they need Green to play well if they want any hope of actually going over this win total. Because if Green can give you 22 yeah. in his rookie season, Sangoon can maybe give you 12. And Wood gives you his normal 23 and 11. Yeah. I think this team could actually win 30 something games. I think that's a little bit of a ceiling for this team, but I think they'll be right there with their win total. I think it's a pretty sharp number. If I had to pick right now, I will, just because I'm on the show with you, I'll give them 28 <laughs> wins. I'll let them go over by a half a win. You. <laughs> Yeah, I think this roster is really interesting, right? Like they, they had the, the draft picks, like we mentioned, with, with, with all the guys that they got led by Jalen Green. But I, I think the bigger question for me right now is what they exactly want to do with the veterans on this team, which is John Wall, which is Eric Gordon, which is Daniel House, right? You can't and, move Wall. I'm sorry? That, that, that contract's too bad. You, yeah, you and that's the issue, move. right? It's like, are you, you going to come to a, a buyout? I don't think the trade market is there for John Wall. Um, so that's kind of what I've been kind of thinking about or handicapping with this team is like you mentioned with Josh Christopher, he's not, I don't think he'll be on the roster because there's a log gym at that guard position probably will be down there in the G league. You'll have Jalen green will probably be a uh, for sure starter on this team. Um, again, the health is the biggest question, right? Because you have guys that are, are injury prone with John Wall, Christian Wood. Um, I was so excited about when they signed him and it, it was a pretty friendly contract that he signed. Now he's going to have to really work his butt off to maybe sign a bigger extension with the Rockets if he's part of the future plans, which I believe he should be. Uh, and when you have a core of, you know, John Wall, Jalen Green, Christian Wood, um, Let's not forget Jay Sean Tate. Shout out to Zach Broner, who loves Jay Sean Tate. Uh, they have pieces on this team to contend. Do I want them to contend and, and get over, or do I kind of want them, quote-unquote, tanking again and getting a better draft pick again it is the question that remains. And, and I've talked to a lot of you know fans, I guess I'll say, that are in Houston that are, that are friends of mine or family members and things like that, is that they don't want this team to contend or even try to win games. Um they probably want to, you know, get back in the draft lottery or again, pick up another piece and see what you can do with John Wall, whether it's a buyout or if a team gets desperate and if they want to trade for him. But that, that contract is just so atrocious that it's going to be very, very hard to trade. I think the more tradable piece and a good piece to probably pick up for a contender that probably needs some scoring power is going to be Eric Gordon. We heard the rumors that the Indiana Pacers and the Rockets were in some type of uh, trade talks of trading their draft pick and Eric Gordon to move up to get to that 13 range. But I think it all worked out for them. And when they pretty much traded, got their own pick back from the thunder to pick up Shane Goon. So that's kind of where I'm at with this team. They picked up Daniel Tice as another front court piece to have on this team. But again, you have this cluster of young guys and then some veterans. So, um, you know, we'll kind of see what they try to do and figure out what they kind of do, want to do with their veterans. I think the bench will be underrated just because of the fact that Kevin Porter Jr. should be a pretty nice spark plug there. Off I forgot the to mention so, him. Yeah. 
I, I don't think he's good enough to start because yeah. he doesn't guard. He doesn't even try to guard anybody. But I think if you want to throw him as a sixth man, a guy who can play 25 minutes and give you 18 points, something like that, I think that's kind of reasonable. Maybe 16 points, whatever. The point is he can give you some scoring. I like overs in Houston's games. I know Tice yeah. is a pretty good defensive big man. Wood is. He's a little bit undersized just weight-wise, but he can still block shots. But based on the majority of the youth with this team even with john wall who's up there in years he's still young at heart yeah this team's gonna play up tempo we know this they're gonna go up and down the court i see overs and i don't think they're gonna play much defense but i think that this team might embrace the idea of trying to outscore your opponents yeah they might not even try to play defense half the time but i do think if they end up trying to play in this chaotic style where they're just gonna go up and down the entire time they could win a bunch of games. They could win, I'd say, a bunch of games that they don't. They aren't supposed to win just because of the fact that this team, based on the based on the age, it might be better conditioned to run the floor for full forty eight minutes. And we saw that last year when they ended up beating Milwaukee. I know that Porter had fifty in that game, but the point yeah. is, is that they decided in the first quarter. Listen, we're just not going to play defense. But if you don't agree to play defense either, maybe we'll win this game. And I yeah. feel like they might win a couple, but. It really comes down to the fact that you need Green to stay healthy. You need Green to play well in his rookie season. And you need Wall and Wood to have, I'd say, play at least half the season if you want to have a shot to have it go on the over. I don't know if you want to gamble on it. I was being generous because, you know, of course, <laughs> you're the local guy, and I decided I would be generous and give you 28 wins. But this team could easily finish with, like, 15 wins, and nobody would be surprised. Yeah, and I wouldn't be mad at that either because you'll be right back in that that top top three pick range and then pick up another piece for this team. But but also I, the the other so uh, sorry the signing that they made in the offseason, which I think was kind of underrated, was re-signing David Nawaba. Having him and Jay Sean Tate at least you know if you're going to try defensively, though I think those are two good starting pieces. And then like you mentioned with Daniel Tice, a, a guy that can guard for his size, and then I think Christian Wood needs to add more weight to his uh, repertoire if he wants to compete on the defensive end offensively, he's going to be great. But again, the question is going to be what kind of what you want to do with your veterans as far as for me, um, anything else for this team or should we kind of wrap it up here? Uh, Scott, I'm going to wrap it up with just one question to kind of start the recap process. Yeah. Who comes in last place, Houston or San Antonio? Oh, San Antonio. I, so I persuaded you on the under with San Antonio. Yeah. I think the, I think the the Rockets have a more talented team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, I would go San Antonio probably just because you still have guys like Aaron Gordon, John Wall on this team, and then you added the number two overall pick. But, you know, I think the depth is better on the Rockets team. But, you know, for, for, the, for the San Antonio Spurs, like we mentioned, that they need to probably tank and get a top draft pick and get a guy that is going to be the – sorry, the face of your franchise, the Rockets have that now with Jalen Green, right, with a number two overall pick to kind of take over what James Harden was for this team. A long way to go for Jalen Green. Again, the hamstring injury, I think it was just probably precautionary just to keep him out because obviously we don't care about the summer league and you saw some of the other big names or, or the high draft picks that were out. Mm -hmm. Guys like, you know, Jalen Suggs and, and you know, Cade and and those guys that didn't play much after, I think, three games in the summer league. So um, I'm excited for this team. The future looks bright. But love the draft picks. But, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with this team. Uh, let's take one final 
break and we will come back with any future bets, regular season, win total, best bets from Scott and myself. Turn your picks into real cash with prize picks. My favorite daily fantasy app. It's fast and it's easy and it all starts with prize picks. Simply pick two to five players and decide if they will go over or under their stat projection. The more players you pick, the more you can win, up to 10 times your money. Price picks is the only way I play. I took Derrick Henry under 1,550 and a half rushing yards, David Montgomery over 1,000 and a half rushing yards, and Tua under 4,000 and a half passing yards. That $20 entry would Pay me $45. Use our promo code SGP to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That's price picks. Promo code SGP. The summer of soccer continues on Paramount+. Plus. Stream over 2,000 soccer matches a year from around the world. That's all the heart-pounding drama from CBS Sports, including UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Italy Serie A, Argentina's Primera División, the Brasileiro, the NWSL, the Asian F Football Confederation, and the CONCACAF qualifiers, featuring the stars from the U.S. and Mexican men's national teams, plus much more. It's the best of the beautiful game, with all the beautiful names like Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo, Rampino, and Pulisic. Be part of the excitement as champions are crowned and history is made. The world's game lives here on Paramount+. Plus. Visit ParamountPlus.com to start your free trial and stream every match live. Make sure to head over to UnderdogFantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a free $25. That's right, sign up now for a free shot at $1 million. So download the app and sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. The SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The, ad, the app gives you easy access to all of our picks and podcasts. Don't forget to toss up an app review and download the SGPN app today. All right, Scott, uh, talked a lot about win totals, make miss playoffs. Uh, if you have any future player uh, props that you want to throw out as far as awards for this division, regular season, give me a, a best bet or a couple other bets that you're kind of looking at for this division. Well, for the overall win totals, you can tell uh, we're not exactly thrilled with this overall division. We think that this division yeah. should be one of the weaker <laughs> ones in the league. Yeah. So if we're looking at some potential awards or stuff I'm looking at for win totals, I think everything's kind of tricky. I would say my favorite one's probably Pelicans under just because until they show me something, I'm not going to take 40 wins. I think that's absurd. So I'm not going to bother doing that. Plus, not to mention the injury history with Zion. I don't know if they're going to rest him some games or if he can stay healthy for a full season. I know he stayed healthy last year, but you know what I mean. I am curious yeah. if that's going to end up appearing. And if Zion gets hurt by any chance, there's no chance they're winning 40 games. So that's my favorite win total play. I like the under on the Pelicans. But looking at the actual team in itself or just the overall division with some player props, Don Sitchton MVP. Of course, is going to be one of them that people are going to talk about. I like yeah. it. I thought Doncic had a shot to win last year. Um, if he is healthy and he doesn't get off to the slow start, maybe potentially because he was out of shape, but because he was playing in the Olympics, I think he'll be in better shape this time around. Yeah. He's just so damn good. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. Yeah. He's already 
a top five player in the league, and 100%. I don't think it's close. Like he's he's that talented. So I think if you're looking at him to an MVP, especially if he carries this team, which he might, there's a chance Doncic could average like 32, 10, and eight. Like it, it's possible. Like he could yeah. do that. So that wouldn't surprise me. So that's one award I'm looking at. Other than that, I'm looking at. Uh, I might have to, you know, bullet with smoke towards your Rockets. So I'm looking at Jalen Green to win Rookie of the Year. I, I think that if you're looking at a guy who is not afraid of taking 20-something shots per game, who might yeah. put up big numbers, Jalen Green's going to be your guy, especially if the Houston Rockets acknowledge they're not going to be any good and they decide to just give the young guys more reps. Yeah. They might cause Jalen Green to just unleash endless shot potential where it could be the worst shot you've ever seen, but he's going to take at least 25 of them. So he might end up averaging 20 something points per game. And I know that might not be enough for him to win the award. If Kate ends up averaging like 18, seven and six or whatever. But the point is, is that green should be in there if he stays healthy. So I do think there's some value with him. If you want a potential dark horse candidate for an award, Mm. I know that it's tough to give a six man of the year award to a really just an awful team. I think Kevin Porter Jr. might have a shot at six man of the year if he just continues the flamethrower mentality because he's the kind of guy who I don't think should start, especially if Wall is healthy. And I think that we can agree that Kevin Porter Jr. is a guy who there's a difference between Jalen Green confident and Kevin Porter Jr. confident. (laughs) If you cross half court, He's approaching Deion Waiter's level of confidence where he's just going to chuck up any shot that he wants, no matter what. There can be 20 seconds on the shot clock, and he might try a fadeaway from 45 feet. (laughs) I think that if Porter Jr. ends up playing 20-something minutes, if not 30-something minutes, and this team fully punts halfway through the year, there's a chance that Kevin Porter Jr. could average, like, even maybe 20 points per game off the bench if he just has enough shot attempts. So I'm not saying that he's going to win the award, but if you want a really just a huge dark horse candidate, yeah. a guy who might be, I don't even know what price he would be to win the award, like 60 to one, if not higher. Like, I don't even know. I think it'd be a lot higher because I don't even see on one book. I'm looking at him and see him listed there. And the, the, the biggest long shot they have is a hundred to one on in his canter. So I think he would probably be around, I don't know. Let's you assume can probably 100, 100 to 1. Yeah, let's assume 100 to 1 because I'm yeah. sure most books wouldn't want to lay it out that much. If you want to put a sprinkle on it, I don't hate a guy coming off the bench who could average 20 per game. I think there might be value on that for six men of the year. 100 to 1, maybe a sprinkle. Is he going to win yeah. the award? Probably not, but I think it's a fun bet you can make if you want to throw in a little extra something, something on the Rockets. You? Yeah, I, I can I can see it. Um just based on what we saw last season, I think he, he's, you know, I've kind of been watching his Twitter and some of the videos that, that he's been working in the gym, man. And, and I think the, the, the turmoil or, or where he was mentally with the Cleveland Cavaliers, hopefully that's kind of something that's past him. Um, having John Lucas on his coaching staff and kind of being that mentor for Kevin Porter Jr. I think is, is huge for a young guy like that who has so much potential. So, you know, throw a pizza bed or a steak bed on, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. at, you know, I've, I think Scott's being a little conservative at a hundred to one, but we just don't know what it's going to be. And let's just say it is a hundred to one or 150 to one, 200, whatever it is, you know, throw it, throw a couple of dollars on it. It'll see what happens. Just a fun bet to have. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, for me, I, 
I agree with you on on what you said with the under with the Pelicans. I'm going to go with the Memphis over here. Um, you know, for all the reasons that we mentioned, right? You, you, you based on health, you, you'll get a Triple J back. You have John Moran, one of the more explosive and talented young and up and coming superstars in this league. You, there's a lot of depth on this team that I really like, and they're just gritty. We talked about how they, they can be a top ten defensive team in this league. Um, you know, they squeaked into the play-in tournament last season. They beat the Golden State Warriors, and again, if they if they have John Moran and Triple J, at least for let's say sixty to sixty-five games, which may right now be asking for much, but I think they can get there. They're so young guys, um, so I kind of like the over there on their win total. And I agree with you. I already got down on on Jalen Green to win uh, Rookie of the Year at plus four fifty. Currently, I'm looking at a book that has him all the way down to plus two seventy-five. So. Uh, glad I could beat that number there. So those are the kind of the two best bets I'm looking at for this uh, division. Um, anything else on this uh, division? Any final thoughts on this division, uh, Scott? And we'll, we'll get out of here, man. I don't really see many prices or if not any price available for division winner. I don't. Would you lay the juice with Dallas or would you take just Memphis with a sprinkle and get out of there? I wouldn't want to... Uh, I don't like laying minus prices on division, especially before the season, because that injury yep. factor is always there. But I would mm-hmm. probably take that plus on the Memphis Grizzlies to win the division. Yeah, I agree. All right. I guess that will wrap it up for today's NBA gambling podcast episode. Uh, Scott, man, let know, let the people know where they can find you on Twitter and what you're currently working on. So you can find me at Reichel Radio on Twitter. Uh, other than that, a lot of SGPN stuff, whether it's fantasy football articles or even the weekly rankings that we do for all the players. In addition to that, I'm also giving out my picks every single week on the MLB Gambling Podcast, which I'm sure Munaf doesn't really need me to talk about because he's on the show every week. So if you want to hear more of him, uh, you can check out the MLB Gambling <laughs> Podcast because I do have about a couple of minutes where I give out my picks for the next couple of days. Uh, ended up sweeping the board, uh, so that's a good sign. So yeah, we did. Over the weekend. But as a whole, other than that, uh, I've been busy doing my own uh, radio show. It's also on Spotify called Winners and Winners Radio. Upload that every weekday. And I also give out free daily picks on YouTube on the Winners and Winners YouTube page. So if you want free picks, I have you covered there. But a lot of editing, a lot of SGPN content, and uh, let it ride. Yeah, man, Scott Scott does just so much, even with his, all the work he does with his website on, on his picks that he gives out, and especially for SGPN. So... I know a lot of you are getting ready for the fantasy football drafts for your respective leagues coming up. Make sure to check out all of the fantasy content that we have on SGPN with Scott and the other guys that are working on it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. Um, other than that, Scott, thank you so much for joining me today and let it ride. Ba-da-ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-